Hi, I'm Montani York, and I'm your host here at Cambridge House. I'm joined today by the one and only Alfonso Pecciatello. Alfonso, thank you for being here. Hey, Montana, it's a pleasure to be here. Alf, as a former head of a $20 billion investment portfolio, and then taking that and moving towards the Macro Compass, this incredible educational column, walk me through your finance journey. What does that look like? So it starts effectively when I was 14, 15 years old, and you might ask yourself why. That's because my mother is a bond trader, actually is a treasurer of a small Italian bank. So when we were at lunch breaks after school, she used to come back and eat lunch with us. And she used to bring this laptop on the lunch table. She was looking at charts. And I was like, you know, why am I eating the pasta here and then looking at the chart? I mean, what is that? And she's like, no, no, the market is moving. I need to look at that. So I was asking, what's the market? What are you talking about? So I got fascinated by these whole market things since I was a kid, effectively. Then this passion grew. Uh, as, you know, I was getting closer and closer to this source of information and this fascination of this puzzle, which are global markets. Ended up going at university, choosing to study finance, and then starting my career in the fixed income market, running a bond portfolio, which then went, luckily for me, pretty well till to the point where I ended up managing a $20 billion investment portfolio and a team of portfolio managers as well. And that's the past, though, because until a few months ago, um, I, I then left basically three months ago and started dedicating myself full time to my free educational newsletter, which is called the Macro Compass. Great. Uh, and then walk me through the Macro Compass. What kind of information can we find on there? Yeah, so the Macro Compass is basically the place where I hope people want to go to have uh, financial education, macroeconomical insights and some investment ideas as well. So I use all my, my learning journey and the knowledge I've accumulated throughout the years and the fact that I was exposed to high-level stakeholders, central bankers, prime ministers, but also investment banks, traders, etc. I've accumulated this wealth, this wealth of knowledge and the idea is to share it with people and, and it's, it's tailored for different tiers of expertise, right? So you will find some educational material that covers, for example, the basics of the bond market. So I tried to explain to you how the bond market works, but also you will find a bit more sophisticated uh, content and you will find investment ideas for, you know, um, trying to achieve the best risk return profile for your portfolio. Do you mind giving my audience some investment ideas? What's catching your eye right now? Yeah. So um, since the beginning of the year, Montana, I have to say my investment horizon is generally for a few months down the road, three to six okay. months, sometimes longer. And my investment ideas can, can run for a year or more. And since the beginning of the year, um, I've been much more defensive when it comes to investments than I was in 2020 and 2021. And so the reason for that, so basically in a nutshell, the answer to your question would be, Try to be more defensive, accumulate more cash, which sometimes can help uh, in your investment portfolio. And if you need to be invested in, in markets, try to find companies that have a strong balance sheet. They are high quality companies rather than companies that are either uh, very dependent on earnings and economic growth to pick up, because I expect that not to happen anytime soon, or companies that are uh, you know, they benefit from high valuations because I also think that part will get and is getting already not much support out there. So increase your cash exposure, be more defensive and allocate towards more high quality, uh, strong balance sheet companies would be my advice. And the reason why I say that is because the economic growth impulse has been slowing down already since last summer. 
That's because the fiscal aid from US, but also from other countries all over the world had reached its peak around about March, 2021. And once that, that um, support from the fiscal perspective slows down, the private sector has less structural impulse to grow. So we still grow, but we decline the, the growth rate effectively of our economic growth. And when that happens, and at the same time, central banks are becoming more worried about inflation and they're changing their reaction function. They become more scared. They want to act. They want to tighten monetary policy conditions. Well, that's not a nice combination because economic growth is slowing, earnings are slowing. And at the same time, the support from the monetary policy perspective is also slowing all at the same time. So that's the worst combination possible for risk-taking and aggressive risk-taking where you tend to buy the Teslas, where you tend to buy the highly valued companies or the companies also that benefit from strong cyclical growth, the small caps. You know, I, I don't think this is an environment where you want to be invested in those. You rather want to be more defensive. Great advice. Alf, what are some really safe companies that you may be looking at uh, that my audience could take a look at as well? So I uh, rarely do single names. Um, I tend to look at the world from a global macro perspective, which means the stock. I tend to divide the stock market into macro sectors. Mm -hmm. So that might be commodity or energy rather than cyclicals or growth stocks, right? So that's the, the sort of analysis that, that I do. And at this stage, um, if you have to be invested in the stock market, I would suggest uh, to lean towards uh, high quality defensive stocks. There is, for example, an, um, an ETF in America, which is called Qual ETF, Q-U-A-L for quality, basically. So this ETF tends to incorporate companies that have certain parameters that make them quality companies, so strong balance sheet, reliable earnings companies. And those, of course, are suffering as well. But I would say if you have to be invested or if you feel like you want to be invested in the stock market, rather prefer those strong balance sheet companies than the Russell 2000, the small cap companies, because as the earnings are coming down, those companies suffer. At the same time, also the mega cap large companies like Facebook, for example, that we are seeing are getting not treated very well as the multiples expansion that led to the total return of these companies and these stocks to be very high in 2020 and 2021. It's now multiples contraction. The monetary policy support is coming down. Bond yields on a nominal, but also on a real yield level are coming up a little bit as the Federal Reserve uh, goes to a hiking cycle. And therefore the valuation of these companies and the multiple expansions becomes a multiple contraction. So what you're looking at is a place to hide. Right. right. And so there are not many in this environment, if I have to be honest. So my number one strategy would be to increase your cash exposure, be a bit more defensive than you normally are in your investment portfolio. And if you need to be invested, look for quality companies instead. Great. Uh, thank you so much. And we did touch on inflation a little bit there, but I would love to hear uh, your forecast or your thoughts there. Uh, where are we headed? I have a metric, which is called uh, G5 credit impulse. So it aggregates the impulse of credit creation from the largest five economies in the world, okay. which tends to tell me how much Montana, the private sector, namely you and I, are getting in terms of credit flow. Are banks lending to us more or less? Is the government more or less supportive towards the private sector? And this, so we aggregate the five largest economies 
credit flows to the private sector, you put them all together and you have a measure to understand whether the private sector is getting more resources or less resources at any point in time. And this metric is telling me that the private sector is getting less resources now. So it got a lot of those in 2020 and 2021 when the government stepped in, right? They sent you checks at home. They encouraged banks to lend to you because they guaranteed their losses. But all of that is now over. It's not there anymore. So that's the demand side of things, of the economy, that will let me think that as demand wanes down, inflationary pressures should wane down too. Now, there is a big problem, which is the supply side of the equation. And the supply side of the equation is much more complicated because there have been supply bottlenecks due to the pandemic over the last year, year and a half. And now there are more supply bottlenecks on top because of the Russia-Ukraine military escalation as both Russia and Ukraine export very vital commodities to the world, not only oil, but also natural gas. And in the case of Ukraine, for example, neon. Neon is a gas which is used to produce uh, semiconductor chips. And the semiconductor chips are in everything you use, medical devices, cars, uh, any equipment, basically, computers. So as producers cannot get a hold of those uh, of those supplies of important commodities, even, even worse than before when the pandemic was raging all over the place, it becomes difficult short-term for inflation to go down because of the supply side. The demand side, on the other end, would suggest some decline in inflationary pressures. So overall, it will really depend from the interplay between these two components. And as soon as the supply disruptions become less acute, I would expect inflationary pressures to to dwindle, but hey, it's very difficult to call when that's going to happen, especially in a military escalation where it's all about geopolitics. And now the Chinese lockdown of Shenzhen uh, in, in China because of COVID cases surging there, again, complicates things even further because China is also a producer of several inputs that companies all over the world use to produce their final product, right? Great. Um, well, not great, but... <laughs> <laughs> You did give some sound advice um, to increase your cash, um, things like that. Did you have any other advice for any investors in the market right now? Yeah. So what I learned, guys, in my seven years running uh, large bond portfolios, actually investment portfolios, not only bonds, is that you have to be humble as an investor. I always say you have to be humble or the market will humble you anyway, which means that you have to think in probability terms. You cannot have one base case scenario and assume the probability that that realizes equals 100% because nobody is ever right 100% of the times. So always try to make a probabilistic assessment of what's going to happen. You will have a base case everybody has, but try to think you can be wrong. And what happens if you're wrong? What's your risk management strategy? Because the most successful investors in the world I had the chance to, to talk to and exchange information with they're all very humble. They always ask themselves where they can be wrong. How do they protect their downsides? Those might sound very defensive advices, mm -hmm. but they are paramount important for being a successful investor over long periods of time. Great. Thank you so much, Alf. And then I would love to redirect my audience uh, to your column so that they can get more educational information from you. Uh, where would they find you? Yeah, so the, the newsletter is free and it's called The Macro Compass. It's on Substack. So if you if you type themacrocompass.substack.com or you simply Google The Macro Compass, you will be able to find me immediately. I publish generally an article a week 
maybe five, four to five articles a month. Those are educational articles. They give you macroeconomic insights and some investment ideas, and it's all for free. So pay, pay a visit if you wish. Amazing. Thank you so much, Alf. My pleasure, Montana. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please follow this podcast wherever you're listening. Be notified every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday of new episodes. Also, feel free to leave a rating and a review if you're enjoying the show. Keep up with me and Cambridge House between episodes at the Montana York on Twitter and cambridgehouse.com. See you next time.